Uh, Jesus didn't have a problem with people that's in the streets. He had a problem with religious people. How can I help anybody when I'm not even when I was not even able to help my own son? I would never do that. I would never do that. And I became that in a matter of minutes when they took my pain pills away. And I said, I'm not where I want to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. Ugh. This is Faith in Your Recovery. I am Randy Davis. Welcome to the battle. Hello, folks. This is Eric setting in for Randy. He's uh, still out sick. So uh, I'm here for all the episodes. I'm on the back end. I just produced Randy's show for him. And today going to sit in and give it a test drive as a host. Uh, in the studio today, we have Mike from Philly. Yes. Yeah, originally from Philadelphia. Yep. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. Where do you want to start? Uh, yeah. So my name is Mike. Uh, Mike Gleam. Um, yeah. Originally from Philadelphia. Uh, currently reside in Delaware. Uh, I'm also the founder of Recovery Army Outreach, Inc., uh, based out of Philadelphia. Ken, uh, we, you know, we service Kensington, Philadelphia, uh, where I spent a lot of time, you know, seven, eight years straight homeless on the streets. Um, you know, it's hopeless and homeless, sure. um, you know, due to substance use, alcoholism, mental health issues, um, so yeah, glad to be here today. Yeah, man, it's a pleasure to have you for sure. You've got a lot of uh, experience doing various things and, and listeners, he's, he's got a lot going on. We're going to include all these links into the show description. Uh, so you don't have to, you know, try to write everything down, uh, cause he's an author he speaks, yes. Yes. he's got a lot, a lot to give. So, yeah. So, um, man, where to begin <laughs> the intro to begin for one. I love that. I absolutely love that intro. Yeah. Um, yeah, powerful. Um, so yeah, you know, uh, for me, yeah, I'm, I'm so blessed and grateful, man, to be, um, just to be able to do what I do today. Um, just to, to, I'm grateful to be anywhere to be, you know, alive today. Um, statistically absolutely should not be, uh, you know, I suffer from addiction and alcoholism for over 20 years of my life. Um, you know, uh, just this past June last year, uh, earned eight years clean and sober, um, you know, God sustains my recovery for sure. Uh, faith is the foundation of my recovery. Um, you know, I had a pretty, pretty big spiritual awakening in an ICU room in hospital, uh, in an ICU room in, in Philadelphia in 2014. Um, and I'll kind of give you kind of the turning point of where things changed. Uh, and then I can kind of go back and tell you kind of what led to that. Um, but I woke up in 2014 in an ICU room. Uh, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and uh, didn't know how I got there, didn't know what happened. And, uh, you know, I kind of, I, I looked down from, you know, being unconscious and I looked down and, and, and look at my body. So there's tubes coming out and, you know, IVs and machines and everything like this. And I have no idea where I am. I'm scanning the room, don't know what's going on. And I look up at, you know, the whiteboards they have there in the room and they list the, you know, the the nurse's name and the text name and patient's name. And I see patient name as a John Doe. Uh, and uh, I look in the mirror and I'm looking at a complete stranger. I don't even know who I'm looking at. Um, and I see this guy that I, it's me and I don't even know it's, I just don't know who this person is. And the left side of my head was shaved and it had a horseshoe incision closed with 30 staples. And um, Obviously, I'm, I'm thinking this is some kind of nightmare, like hoping this is not reality. You know, unfortunately, it was. Uh, that was my reality at that point in my life. And um, it was, uh, man, uh, life, life changing for sure. Um, you know, there's been a lot of pain along the way, a lot of hospitals. I mean, I can't even count how many hospitals, institutions, jails, uh, you know, along the way. But this time I finally threw the white flag up and, and, and I come to find out that uh, 
you know, what it was, was I put myself in a situation given a lifestyle that I was living. Um, and someone actually attempted to take my life, um, for $20 one day. Um, and actually, uh, it was a physical altercation. I thought I had the upper hand. I started walking away and, uh, little did I know the guy went back in his house and came out from behind me, uh, and hit me on the side of the head with a hammer and and tried to take my life. So that's the staples. Yep. 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 So that's what put me there. Um, and from that point on, um, man, I'll tell you, you know, I didn't know my name, didn't know who I was. Um, didn't know how I got there, didn't know anything. Um, and you know, like I, so I grew up in a Christian household, right? So, but it was, it was really, it was religion to me then, right? I didn't know anything about spirituality. We'd go to church on Sunday and leave it there. And it really wasn't spoken about during the week, really. And, uh, you know, this was different. Um, this was, I truly felt like I was in direct contact with my creator at this point in this ICU room. And, uh, I couldn't, like I said, I couldn't remember anything. I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk and I couldn't write. I was literally kind of a vegetable there in the hospital bed. And the only thing I could remember was scripture. That was the only thing that I could remember. And it was almost like it was being read to me by a third person um, and just recited into my ear just verses from the Bible. Um, and the biggest one was forgive them for they know not what they do. Uh, and that was life changing for me. And I didn't understand it at the time, obviously, like I have no idea who I am. I don't know how I got here. I don't know anything. And I hear this voice telling me things. I start to think I'm like, okay, maybe I'm schizophrenic. I'm hearing things. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, I'm going to listen. Like, and then, you know, came a sense of uh, accountability. Um, they came with that, you know, and that was the fact that like, what I did know is that whatever put me here, whatever put me in this place and in this situation, you know, it was my fault, you know, like I had to take accountability that I, I likely given a lifestyle that I lived that was, you know, it was a, my fault that I'm in this, in this position. Um, so I listened to that voice that was talking to me, you know, and, and I, and I really kind of soaked it in that. And then that was the only line of communication I had, you know, I couldn't speak to the nurses. I couldn't speak to the doctors. Like I literally couldn't verbalize anything. So I left that line of communication open. You know, I listened and I, spoke, you know, through prayer, like, you know, I pray, I don't, I don't wish I have a God, I don't have a genie, you know what I mean? Right, like that's right. a, Yeah, there so is yeah, a difference. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. I don't make wishes. I, I, I pray, you know? And, um, so, and it was a game changer for me, man, you know, holding on to that. It was, it was a, a solid, just reconnection to my faith, uh, and God and, uh, man, everything really started changing after that, you know, that first year after the incident, um, you know, was full of pain. I mean, the, the physical therapy that went into it and vocational therapy, speech therapy, like I really bust on my butt for, you know, five, six days a week, hours, you know, hours in hours out every single day, uh, to get back to kind of where I needed to get for that whole first year, extremely painful, uh, was starting to be, I make making progress for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, even after a year of that, I, I checked myself into, um, a psych hospital. And at this point I threw the white flag up, you know, as far as drugs and alcohol, you know, I, 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 so I, you've been clean at this point. Yeah. So after this happened, like that was enough because that's how deep rooted it was in me. And that's how long I did it for. And it was just ingrained in my DNA. I felt like at, at that point, because, I woke up and didn't know, like I said, who I was or anything like that, but I knew I was an addict. I still had an obsession. Like I still had an obsession and I didn't even know who I was. Like that's how deep rooted it was and how how it became and how programmed I was living that lifestyle and always resorting to that. Um, And I was able to identify that. Um, And I know that was kind of revealed to me through him, you know, like it wasn't something 
I should have or could have or would have been able to to realize myself. Um, but it was kind of like told to me. So I knew I, I can't take and mind you, I mean, it's a pretty traumatic, it's a pretty severe injury. Yeah. So they're trying to give me all kinds of pain meds for sure, you know, and um, and I refused. So, like, I, I was able to like, at least, like, wave them off, like, no, like, and I knew, you know, if I did, I just, I, I, I knew where it would take me and where I was at at that point, the next stop was death. Like, there was no question about it. You know, I really felt like um, once I finally came to and, after that year, second year, third year, and really started, <clears throat> you know, realizing all the things I've lost in my life. And, you know, whether it be the material things time and time again, houses, cars, and, you know, all these kind of things. But, you know, most importantly, I lost my family, I lost my children, um, you know, I lost myself, you know, and it was like, um, you know, that's what I needed to, to, to get back and, and, and really truly focus on. So enough was enough for me. And I finally threw the white flag up and, uh, you know, that's when I finally, you know, decided to finally believe in myself, which I never did before, you know, like I, I never thought I'd ever be able to do it. Never thought I'd ever be able to stop using or lying, manipulating, stealing, cheating, you know, all these things though, right. you know, all these things that come in, they come with that territory. Kind of the tools and, of the trade. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the whole lifestyle, you know, the drama involved and, and, and just, you know, everything like that. And, um, you know, luckily, you know, I was earning these things back. And after a year, I still really, so I, I finally got back on my feet. I started being able to walk and, and, and speak terrible, terrible stutter. Like, you know, it was really tough. I, I knew what I wanted to say a lot of times, but just couldn't literally verbalize it. So it would like just come out super mumbled and I'm, st I'm stumbling on words. And, um, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm back on my feet. So uh, like a year after the injury, I checked myself into this psychiatric hospital and because uh, I just still wasn't there like mentally. I knew I still needed some professional help to kind of get me over the trauma and kind of get me where I need to be. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm there for it's usually like a 14 day program. Uh, and then people get kind of resources for outside for primary therapists, stuff like that. I'm there for three months. Uh, you know, my insurance cut me off after 14 days. They scholarship me the rest of the stay because of the condition I was in. Uh, they really didn't know what to do with me. And they're trying their best with me. Uh, they test me three different times cognitively over that three three month period. And each time they came back and told me I'm mentally incapable, I'm mentally I'm mentally handicapped. Uh, and that they finally come, a doctor comes and a case manager and caseworker, social worker comes and says, you know, after three months, I think our best suggestion for you at this point is to just transfer, transfer you to a traumatic brain institute and just live the rest of your days there. And uh, that's that's not a good. No, no. So I'm yeah. 32 years old at this time. And, you know, I, I just I couldn't accept that, you know, like I acceptance is a big part of my story. I accepted you know, my lifestyle and how things were and everything I, I, I accepted. I can't, I, you know, I can't use, I can't drink, you know, and all these things. But that's one thing I could not accept. Uh, like, I knew I was making progress. They just didn't see it. Uh, but I felt it. And I knew there was more. I knew God was calling. There was a higher calling for me. I knew. I knew there was more in store for me. And I knew that I finally understood that all that pain, everything that I went through for over two decades was for a reason. It was for a purpose, you know, to get through it and be able to go back uh, and show people there is a way out, you know, and show people that are in my situation or hopefully that never get to my situation. So, you know, if I speak to high schools and things like that, like to try to be, you know, preventative and hopefully they don't get to that point. But even the ones that are absolutely, you know, considered lost or feel broken or, you know, whatever, forgotten, unwanted, you know, like those are people I speak to. 
you know, those are people that I reach out to. Like, I don't speak for all these successful people that seem to have everything figured out. Yeah. You know, that's just not my cup of tea, you know, like more power to you. But, you know, like I, I want to save lives. I want to help people. And I want people to restore themselves and find themselves and, and what they were put on this planet to do. And, uh, you know, luckily I've been able to do that. Um, but yeah, it was tough. So I, I absolutely refused that. As soon as they told me that, I just, I had a vivid image of a nurse or a tech pushing me up to a window in a wheelchair at 32 years old and just staring out a window all day. Yeah, no, it's and, not. Um, no, and I, and I, just everything in me said, no, like there's more, there's more for you. Like the best is yet to come. There's more. Like I Phase two. To, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, a complete rebirth, honestly, is what it was. And like, and I can say that in a literal sense because, like, my brain was, like, rewired when that happened. So I feel like all the stuff that I lost before, including myself, after this injury, I feel like really it was, like, you know, God's kind of way of telling me who was there all along the whole time and gave me out. And I was just so tunnel-visioned on the lifestyle I was living, I just didn't see him, you know, and sure. I wasn't paying attention to him. Um, and I feel like this happened, you know, happened for a reason. You yeah, know, he was, it was there like, the whole time. Yeah, and I really feel like... It was allowed to happen to me because I feel like at this point, so much has been taken from me in my life and throughout this, 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 this terrible journey of, of really hell on earth. Um, you know, it's like, I just had to, um, <clears throat> I had to, uh, I lost my train of thought. No, no you're good. Um, well, let me ask you this saying? while you're pulling it. Yeah. Did anyone come to claim you at the hospital? No, no, no. So even at so at what point did you know who you were? Did they have someone to call? And then when they made that call, what happened? Yeah, none of that. <laughs> so you so, were on your own. Oh yeah, man. So I'll, so I'll, I'll tell you. So the a good ten years of that, um, no connection with family whatsoever. Um, you know, seven to eight years were straight years homeless on the streets of Kensington, Philadelphia, uh, which is really like a third world country right now. I mean, it's probably the biggest open drug market there is in the country, if not the world. Uh, you know, it's really terrible things that are going on there now. Um, yeah, they're shutting down Wawa's and stuff around there, which uh, is a big deal for if you can, yeah, yeah. If, in that area, yeah. If you, yeah, if you got to shut down a Wawa, that's a problem. Right, something's going Something, on. Right, yeah, it's not good. Um, so yeah, no, there was no contact. There was no emergency and I can give them a name, but no one's going to answer that phone, you know, and all those times in the jails, the institutions, I wrote letters, you know, return to sender. Yeah. I make a phone call, change number. So it was their choice. So they let them know you were there and they chose to just leave you there. They didn't even know because it, well, we were so astrayed at that point. Um, they didn't know where I was, you know, they didn't know if I was alive or dead, honestly, you know, it wasn't until almost two years after that I was able to reconnect with my family. Uh, and I kind of express what happened, where I'm at now in my life, you know, I'm doing better. And, um, and I've earned those relationships back with my, my mother, my father, my children, they're all in my life now. It's a lot of work. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was extremely, uh, a lot of work. How, how many, work. how many years were you lying and manipulating with them? Oh, my whole, I mean, since I was 12 years old. So, yeah, you know, even, even if it takes 15 years to build that relationship. Yeah. Yes. hundred percent. So, you know, whatever it took, whatever it took, yeah. you know, like, so, and that's what I did. And, and the, the, the biggest thing I could do was take accountability for my actions, you know, apologize for the things I've done, uh, and not expect them to, 
Um, forgive me. You know, it is what it is. Like, I, this is what I did. I take ownership of it. And I, I'm sorry. You know, I'm truly sorry for doing these things and the people that I've hurt and the things that I've done, um, you know, whether it be physical, emotional, mentally, however it was, um, to take accountability for those things. And, um, you know, luckily, uh, it was just making that living amends and just continuously just to continue to put in the effort and just let my actions speak louder than my words, you know, cause at that point, I mean, I've said everything yeah, under yeah. the sun until yeah. my face turned blue and said, and it meant nothing, right. you know, and it was a complete lie, a complete facade, you know, until, until this point. And then my actions really started showing my attitude and my behaviors really started showing change. Uh, that other people noticed. Uh, and, you know, my family took a notice of that. And, like, now it's amazing because it's crazy how the tables turned where, you know, now, uh, you know, I, I, I bought a home out in Delaware. And, and now, mind you, I have, um, so I, I'm engaged now with my fiance, Jen, uh, and she has two children. I have three children, so we have five children together. Um, and they're all in my life. Uh, you know, we have one on the way. We have our sixth, so sixth now on the way. Wow. Uh, so it's a handful. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, but it was crazy. It, it's amazing because, you know, we buy a house and, and my mother and father move in into like an in-law quarters. Uh, and they're pretty much retired, you know, and it's like they're gonna, so there's going to come a time when they need help too. And, and I'm there now to be that person because I'm reliable now, I'm dependable. When they need something, they know, you know, and now my, my mother will come to me for suggestions or encouragement or whatever it may be. And it's just amazing how the tables yeah, have that's turned. Yeah, that's a whole new thing. I mean, it's, it, it's like, I'm, I'm literally almost speechless about it. I mean, like, mm -hmm. just thinking about it is like, wow. Like, how does that, like, from what it was to what it is now, like, like that's God right there, man. Like that, I yeah, I can't even explain. Like that's something I I could not have done on my own, you know. Like it's he he's he he God still moves, man. He's working, you know, and he and he and he's working. So, um, you know, and then and he's been able to show me, you know, and like I said, what I was trying to say before actually was, I really felt like it was a it came a time in my life where like okay, I've given you this many outs, I've given you this many opportunities to get better and change your situation, um, like. You're not listening. You know, I need you to because you're being called higher. I have a higher calling for you. So I really need you to listen. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to take everything from you this time. Like uh, you're going to lose your voice. You're not going to be able to walk. You know, you're not going to be able to write. You're not going to be able to do any of these things. And you're going to have to rebuild yourself literally from absolutely nothing. Um, and in hindsight, that's how I was finally able to understand it and see it. Uh, so it's so crazy because now I had that line of communication open and the guidance to do everything differently, everything in a complete 180 direction and for positivity and, you know, to help encourage growth in others, uh, and just hold that relationship op open with my savior. Right. And, uh, and man, I'll tell you what, man, things really started changing. So, you know, the people that, and the doctors, especially, that told me, you know, 50% of people within five years of that injury die. You know, the most of the time, the other 50 percent severe uh, declined severely in mental capacity. And you can hear me speak to you today. You would have never have known. Never would have known. Right. You know, right. And like that's <clears throat> it to me. Like I'm an underdog. I, I, like, I beat these odds. And not only that, all these doctors and everybody could tell me all these things I couldn't do. Um, and it always just bothered me. Right. Like I'm like, I, I know I'm, ca I'm capable. Right. I just need I need I need the, the drive, the willpower and just him in my corner to be able to do these things and overcome the obstacles and the struggles that are going to come into my life as these things happen. As I'm trying to chase these goals and his plan for me. And uh, so they told me I wouldn't be able to write. And last year I published my own book. 
you know, I, I, I wrote it, I edited it, I published, self-published it. Um, you know, they told me I wouldn't speak, and, like, here I am speaking. What's the title and, of the book? Uh, it's called Truth Be Told, uh, The Story of an Addict-Turned-Advocate, A uh, Journey Out of the Darkness. Where is it available? Uh, so it's available on Amazon, um, and then also on my on my nonprofit's website, recoveryarmyoutreach.com. I have the ebook on there. Um, and then when people contact me directly, I send signed copies out personally to them as well. Um, but you can Google my name. Uh, it's a, a little that I know when I wrote the book, how many books were titled truth be told and that were on Amazon. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> There's yeah. so many. So, uh, yeah, you can Google my name, Mike Gleam, G L I E M M as a Mary. Uh, and you'll see a bunch of links and stuff that I'm involved with and, you know, things to catch up with. And there's an Amazon link there and ways to reach me and stuff as well. Um, but yeah, like I said, like they, they told me I couldn't do that. And I did that, you know, they told me I wouldn't speak. And, and that's what I do on a professional level. Now, you know, I get to travel and speak, you know, at, you know, high schools, treatment centers, institutions, things like that, you know, podcasts. And I did a season called the stigma ends here, uh, with a friend of mine, Travis from climb for recovery is a nonprofit based out of Maine. Uh, we did a season of that. We're going to roll out a second season. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing, like, the things, like, they told me I couldn't do that, you know, with God in my corner, like, I've done, I've, I've done them all. So it's like now I'm at a point where I invite those challenges into my life, you know. And, like, and the more it's just different challenges I face now than I did when I was in active addiction and alcoholism and everything like that. Now it's just, you know, I'm given more responsibility. I'm given more things to be responsible for and people to provide for and the people that depend on me in their lives and, you know, my children and, you know, every, everybody like that. And, uh, you know, I'm confident in being able to do it. Like I, I welcome these challenges. My life. So like, I don't pray, you know, like Bruce C one, Bruce Lee once said, like, I don't, don't pray for an easy life, pray for the strength to endure a difficult one. Right. And I hold on to that. Like, it means a lot to me that, that quote. And, uh, so like, when I pray, like, I don't ask him to lighten my burdens. I ask him to broaden my shoulders, like, so I can carry, like, give it to me. If that's what you have in store for me and that's what you want to give me and that's your will for me, I take it. I take it 100%, you know, just allow me, give me the strength to carry it, right. you know. But yeah. I, I, don't take him away. I'm not asking you to lighten my load. Just give me the strength to carry it and move on and move forward. That's great advice. Yeah. I mean, you know, hopefully people... People should be praying like that anyway. And yeah, no, I'm not that. sure it happens as much, but you know. Yeah. Uh, so, continue on. Yeah. So you know, and just to kind of you know backtrack some, so that was kind of like you know the turning point and kind of where I'm at now, things going on now. Um, you know, I did I did uh, decide uh, a few years later um, after I connected with um, who I'm engaged with now, Jen. Uh, you know, we decided to get a, a group of friends that are in long-term recovery and go back to Kensington, Philadelphia, a place that kind of broke me, uh, you know, and, and how bad things are there and, and, and give back uh, and just be of service. So we went down with like four SUVs of, of, of you know, clothes, clothing, bag lunches, toiletries, feminine products. I mean, oh, you like, name it. I mean, you name it. Like we had packed, packed cars and, uh, and it was so fulfilling. And when I'm down there, you would think the tra that traumatic event I went through there and all those years I spent straight homeless on, on the street in Code Blues every summer and just living in abandoned houses and parks and concrete under the bridge, you know, under the L train and, and or on the L train even, you know, you would think there would be a trigger or an obsession or something that way. There was never any of that. 
like I always make sure I, I put on an armor guy before I go down I, and I say these prayers and I go down and I you know, and pray over my volunteers and stuff like that. And, uh, and that, that never happens. Like the only thing that I struggle with when we did that was when coming back home, when I left there, um, you know, it was tough for me because I was there for so long and I can empathize so much with the people out there right now that are going through that, the same thing I went through. And now, you know, I get to help out and give these things out, but now I get to go home, you know, and they don't, you know, and I know what that's like. Uh, and that's where I struggle. That's the part I struggle with, you know? And, uh, so we did that for one month. We we're like, and there, that was really amazing and fulfilling like we need to do that again so we did it the next month um even better we brought even more more volunteers i mean it was even probably double with everything we did the first time and then after that time i really prayed on it and i'm like okay this is i need to do this you know like i really need to make this a thing spoke to my fiance about it and we're like why don't we just start a nonprofit and just do this you know, and we don't make, we don't get a financial gain from doing it. If anything, it costs me money, you know, sure, like, right. and I, that's not what it's about. And, uh, and, you know, with my impulsive self, you know, being a recovering addict, alcoholic, I got the okay with her also. And she, she got on board and, uh, I start filing paperwork immediately, right. <laughs> with the IRS <laughs> and the state. And, uh, you know, luckily, you know, we did become a charitable nonprofit organization. It took me two years to fight for a 501c3 approval. Um, so we got that. We just got that, um, you know, a few months ago. And, uh, you know, that's what we made it a, th- a thing of doing. So now, you know, we stepped it up since then. We bring barbers down, do free haircuts. And um, I mean, be amazed, you know, when you have people who are homeless in the street and, and struggling like that, especially, you know, men or women. Uh, and you'll be able to, you know, give them a meal, give them some 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 new clothes to wear and I don't go down and just kind of give people what I want to give them like I kind of put it out like it's like a retail kind of shot like go through some stuff pick out what you like like because when was the last time you were able to do that you know and it's like that piece of humanity like you get to choose some things today like you get to it just makes them feel good and then get a fresh haircut like you know it just makes them feel so good right you know and like that's what it's about and that's so that's what we're really tune in on doing so you know we're gonna things are unfortunately at a a a really all-time just bad level of of what's going on in that community right now so we'll do some reach out some some outreaches down there probably like quarterly and stuff like that throughout the year um let's change the seasons and stuff so we can provide the different things for winter and summer and you know the different needs that there are Uh, but then we'll also start to pivot more into holding open events for the community, um, you know, those still sick and suffering, and then also have people come in that are resources, because that's where we kind of wanted to differentiate and kind of come down and not just give someone a meal and, you know, a, a, a new sweatshirt and pants and a haircut, but, like, I want to give you a resource to change your life. Like, I want you to be able to have, if you make the decision, you know, I can't grab you by the hand and pull you off the street. You know, I wish it was that easy, um, but, you know, give you a resource that if you do make the decision that, you know what, I'm tired of living this way and something needs to change, that you have a phone number, you have a name, I'm here for you, you can call me and I can get you where you need to go. Um, and if, whether that be any kind of treatment or whatever it is, a kind of better your situation, better your circumstances and, uh, and move forward and, and, and to begin to be the person you were intended to be. You know, we're all created on purpose and for a purpose. And, uh, you know, I just wish everybody was able to see you know, and I wish I was able to see at an earlier age than I finally did. But, you know, things more will always be revealed. And, uh, you know, sometimes we have to go through some things to be able to, you know, grow through them and understand 
the lesson behind it, which kind of leads to the blessing. You know, that's kind of how I see it. Like, True. you know, it's just like, uh, you know, I'm sure you heard the, the quote before how school works. You know, you get you get you get the lesson, then you get the test and then you leave school and in life you get the test and you get the lesson from that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like and I feel like there's always a blessing behind that lesson. You know, and that's what I look for. So, like, I'm able to go into negative situations now and find a positive there. You know, it's just a mindset change. And that's kind of what started rewiring my brain after it happened. And it's just, it's crazy when I regained this back when I said, like, I felt like you kind of had to take everything away like that because I, I, I needed a renewal of my mind. I needed to, the old me had to die completely and go away in order for me to change. And, like, I firmly believe that's why it happened, and that's exactly how it played out. And, uh, like, I get chills talking about it, like, because, I mean, you see me now today is not what you would have seen 10 years ago, you know? And, I mean, a completely different person. Um, You have those photos on your website? um, Not on the (laughs) site, um, but you can can find me on, um, you know, uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Official Recovery Mike. Um, and got some of the old pictures and there's, yeah, mug shots and, and all kinds of stuff like that. I mean, and you'll see, literally you would not even think it's the same person, you know, I mean, like everything has changed. So, you know, for the better. So, you know, it's, it's, it was, it was a super long road of, of, you know, starting at 12, 13 years old where it was, it started with mental health with me, you know, and that's why I'm a big mental health advocate too. And especially with adolescents and stuff like that. And my own kids have issues that they deal with mental health wise and stuff. And it's, you know, it's difficult. Um, and, and not enough people talk about it and there's not enough resources, um, you know, to help. And especially with the young, the young kids. And so I really try to make it a priority to do that as well. Um, and cause mine left untreated, man, I left mine untreated. I thought I was unique. I thought I was the only person that felt that sick, uh, mentally and had the thoughts they had and stuff like that with suicide attempts and, you know, all those kind of things I dealt with. And, um, you know, <clears throat> it was just, uh, you know, I just, it's, it, it's, it's, it's amazing the way things worked out. Even, you know, the times I, I attempted suicide and stuff like I, it, it should have been, successful I wasn't even successful like I always felt like a failure and I'm like I tried to even attempt to take my life and I couldn't even succeed at doing that and I'm like I literally can't succeed at anything at this point like this is pretty bad and um but it was crazy because then you look back and I'm like well that person that found me on the floor should have never been there that day they should have never like you know I made sure I was alone you know was away from people shouldn't have been found in any way however i carried these things out and i don't need to get into detail um but there was always somebody like and i know that was god putting them in my life at the right like you know he puts people in your life for reasons you know some are lessons some are blessings you know it is what it is but like you know and uh so i made sure because when i spoke about these things sometimes as when i was young 13 years old 14 years old and expressed how i felt and maybe i it was like a self-harm or something I, that i may have done and um first thing my family did was was lock me up in an institution you know and like so i was kind of conditioned from that young age to not express myself because i feel like if i tell someone how i truly feel and i'm really open and vulnerable and honest about how i'm feeling mentally they're going to punish me i'm going to be locked away right so that that's like, a rock and hard place right so like that was ingrained in me from a very young age to just hold it in don't tell anyone mm-hmm. and the only way i was able to finally when i was introduced to drugs and alcohol i said okay 
it's a lot easier to suppress these feelings with using a, a mind-altering substance. And so that's why I did that for so long, you know. If you could talk to uh, not your own parents, but another addict's family that might be listening, and uh, what are some advice you have to them to help them navigate this? And, and how do they know when someone's being sincere finally? Because, man, everybody that sits in that seat says, uh, you know, they had this moment, it was the calling, it was a turnaround, and, you know, they want to know it's sincere. Yeah, I think, you know, if they open up, pl- listen, like listen, but don't, no judgment. Like there can't be judgment there. There can't be, you know, and obviously if it's a more severe situation or something that, you know, a, a parent might be struggling with with their child, uh, mental health wise or addiction, alcoholism, whatever it may be, you know, provide a resource. Like, you know, don't try to force it. Um, don't be judgmental. Be empathetic. Be sympathetic. You know, understand um, and and show love and care. You know, like and I, and I think it goes such such a such a long way just to 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 do that. You know, and let them know like it's it's okay. Like you're not alone. There's a lot of people, and they themselves might have dealt with issues like that. You know, and it's like so. What would you do for yourself? You know, it's right. try to provide you know a, a resource to be able to address the issue. And obviously, sometimes it's not that easy. Um, but then it just comes to, I think, you know, and then, you know, when, when people do accept the help or, or anything like that, and, you know, they may have been lying and manipulating to their families for however, how long, and it just comes down to the actions at the end of the day. Um, you know, when so many lies have been told and things like that, like, you know, words really don't mean much anymore. Um, you know, you can say whatever you want. People, when people say things, they, that's who they want to be. Their actions is who they are. That's who that's who they truly are, right? Through the actions, not what they say. I can say I can say I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do that. That's not, but that's not me. Like right, unless I carry that action out, then it becomes me. So it's just through actions and seeing the change of behavior, seeing the change of you know thought patterns and how they react to a lot of things, and like noticing those changes is when you see the progress. Um, and commend them for that. Like, you know, show, be grateful for it and like, you know, appreciate those changes and let them know because a lot of times people don't even realize they're making such big changes in their life and, and really are, are going the right road and making these right decisions and doing the right thing. and Celebrate um, little milestones. Yeah, exactly. C- celebrate with them because a lot of times they don't even see it because I know there were times for me when like I was doing great, but I did not feel like it. I didn't feel like I was like, I felt like I, I need to be doing more. Like I'm not, you know, but little did I know, like it would, it's just nice if someone else, especially a family member or someone close to a good friend, whoever, um, recognizes that and, and, and addresses that to them and say, look, I've noticed that like you really, you know, you've been, you've been doing a lot of different things. You've been just, you know, your mindset's different. You've been talking differently. You know, your actions are different. Like I noticed that and I appreciate it. Like, I see the growth. I see the growth happening. Like, keep up the good work. And you can, you know, you can reward and celebrate for less than $5. You know, if yeah. so you hit a milestone, let's rent a movie. I yeah. mean, it doesn't have to be big, but I think I do think it's important to recognize and celebrate milestones. Yeah, and it's free to recognize it. It's but free to like, recognize That's it, yeah. the beautiful thing. Like, right. you know, we don't even have to do that. Like, recognize it, smile, give them a hug, and just say, like, good job. Keep it up. Like, that doesn't cost anything, you know, and right. with a smile on your face. A smile costs nothing. 
you know, and that can help a lot of people more than you think, you know? Right. It might literally a smile and a kind word can change someone's entire day. You know, you can run into a stranger on the street and like, that's a, this, the selfless, selfless act of service that we really, I wish everyone in the world would do. Right. Like, and so I, that's what I want to do. I want to be the change that I want to see in the world. I need to be that change if I want to see it. And hopefully it'll play a domino effect, you know, and that's what I can do is hold a door for someone, help a lady with her groceries, you know, like these little, little, just little actions to help hopefully cause a ripple effect. So it makes that person's day a little bit better and maybe they do it to somebody else, you know, and that's, you know, that's, that's the goal is just to be, you know, a decent human being, you know, and respect everybody and, and, and them as individuals, um, you know, and, uh, and, you know, and hopefully it has an impact, you know? Yeah. I mean, you, you change a man, you can start to change a home, you change a home, Mm -hmm. start to change community. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But it starts with us. It starts with us. It starts with us. So what's the next steps? Next steps for me? Uh, keep following his will, man, uh, by any righteous means necessary. I like, you know, I, and I, I'll be honest with you. And I had a, a struggle this week. My son had a mental health struggle. He's 17. He's a senior in high school. And, uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't a great situation. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, and I'm out here in Indiana now, uh, I, I made it out. I, I was debating whether or not I was going to make it out or not. And, um, but I know when I have an event coming up where I have somewhere to go, you know, to speak life over people or to encourage people, like that's the gift that God gave me now. And I know he wants me to use it for him, but at the same time, I know the devil wants it just as bad. Right. So there's an internal tug of war going on constantly. So if he knows that my mindset is where I will not let you win, you're not going to get it it's already belongs to God. Like, you know, he's going to try to use everything and everyone around me, the closest ones to me to get me outside of myself and put that aside. And, uh, you know, so I have to be kind of cautiously selfish, I guess to say in, 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 in an aspect, um, because the situation where it is now, it's kind of out of my control. Um, so it, it's a weekend. He's at a safe place, which is what matters most. So he's safe, he's taken care of, um, and I'm obligated, you know, and I made a promise to God, like, I will do this till the day they bury me, um, and I will give you the glory for all of it. Um, just just keep opening those doors, and I'll continue to walk through them and do the best that I possibly can. And, uh, you know, that's that's why I'm here today, you know, and there was, I could give you a dozen reasons why mentally I could have talked myself out of it, which was him giving me reason and self-doubt and fear and, you know, oh, but, you know, you have home situations going on, but, you know, I just made sure everything was taken care of, uh, and is in this, you know, safest matter it can be, and, uh, and I take a 10-hour drive out here, you know, it's, it's his will, you know, not my, I gotta follow it. Yeah, self-talk is powerful. Oh, oh my gosh, and I'll tell you, man, and, you know, I can sit and motivate people, I can inspire people, I can talk to these people, I can tell people all these things, but the most powerful words are not the ones I tell anyone, it's what you tell yourself at the end of the day, period, you know, and, and it starts the very first thing in the morning, it starts the minute you get up, the minute you wake up, you know, like, your first words out of your mouth should be thank you, you know, yeah, period. Exactly. Every day we wake up, whether you were, you know, in recovery, you're still suffering or you have whether or not you have any human being should be the first words out of your mouth should be gratitude, you know, and be thankful because a lot of people are going to go to sleep tonight thinking that they have a tomorrow to wake up to and they and they're not going to wake up. 
you know, and that's just a sad truth. You know, yeah, we don't have, we don't exactly. That's yeah, why they call no the present. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like we don't, tomorrow is just an idea. It doesn't exist until it becomes today and it's the present, you know? So we love to put things off. We love to do these things, but it's not guaranteed. Like, what are we doing right now? What are we doing with our time right now? Because that's all that truly matters. This is a great segue to, so in closing, what do you want to be remembered for? Oh, man, I, I, I want to be remembered as someone who just never quit. I want to be remembered as uh, someone that had a level of resilience and grit that no matter what came my way, um, I have the best cut man in my corner. I got God in my corner, you know, like, and I want to be remembered for just never giving up and just selfless service to be able to give back to anyone who's struggling uh, and just encourage growth and try to empower people and, and really just uh, spread love, tolerance and kindness, man. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing I want to go vi- I want to go viral in this world, you know, being things going viral, is such a big thing now, right? Social medias and all these things. And right. things. Are, I just want love to go viral. That's it. That's it. That's like that Philly coming out on you. That's it, man. City of brotherly love. Yeah, yeah. I want, and it, it's sad there's not a lot of it there. Right. But that's what I want, man. I want love to go viral. That's it. And I want to be remembered for trying to leave a footprint and a handprint and leaving a legacy behind of trying my best to do that. And that's it. And I'd be content with that. Folks, all the all his links will be in the uh, show description. I encourage you to check him out, follow him, and support him through his uh, ministries and his mission and, uh, buy his book and, uh, you know, we'll see what he, we'll see what he's got up his sleeve for next time. Yeah. The best is yet to come guys. That's right. Thank hey, you so much. Thank you. Thank you.